0: Pastor Chris Simak from the Potter's House in Panmure. The sermon was recorded on the 9th of May uh, on Mother's Day and the title of the sermon is A Magnificent Mother. 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4. Today is a Mother's Day Uh, We do honour our mothers, even though we don't always really understand what that means or how to do that. Uh, But every mother that is here, uh, we are extremely, extremely grateful uh, for you. You know, mothers uh, are incredible for the amount of things that they teach their children. They teach us about a lot of different things. If you pause for a second and think... Uh, all of the life lessons and different hats, just like in the video there, that the mum has to uh, be a financial officer, uh, a degree in the culinary arts, which a cook, uh, a degree in this, a degree in that. Uh, Just to be a mum, our mothers teach us about planning. There's a saying in Australia, I'm not sure if it's here, Where mothers would tell their children, Make sure you wear clean underwear if you're ever in an accident. They teach us about planning. They teach us about logic. They say, If you fall out of the tree and break your neck, there's no way that you're going to come with me to the store. They teach us about mathematics. They say, Go and sit down for 10 minutes. And then when they do something wrong, they say, That's another two minutes. So straight away, mathematics you're adding. They teach us about prayer. They say, you better pray that that comes out of the carpet. <laughs> they teach us about time travel. They say, you better straighten up or I'll knock you into the middle of next week. <laughs> My mom taught me about language and linguistics because she spoke Spanglish to me. And she said, Chris, I will put your teeth in your nook. Mom, I don't even know what that means. Mom, if you listen to me, I love you. They teaches us about genetics and they say you're just like your father. It teaches us about the weather when they walk into our rooms and they say it looks like a tornado has come through here. And they teach us about the circle of life because they say I brought you into this world and if you keep doing that, I can take you out. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled this morning, A Magnificent Mother. A Magnificent Mother from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Let's read that together. We're going to read about uh, the Shunammite woman this morning. Uh, and God is going to speak to us. Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunamm, where there was a notable... Or great woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, that's Elisha. As often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, Look, look, now I know that this holy man of God who passes by us regularly, please let us make us a small upper room on the wall. And let us make a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So whenever it will be, he comes to us, he can turn in there. Skip to verse 15. A couple of other things happen there. Elisha is there with his assistant Gehazi. Uh, Gehazi is a prophet in training. Uh, And then they have a conversation there. And then in verse 15, it says this. So he said, call her. And when he had called her, this is Elisha staying in this upper room. Call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. In verse 16, it says, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of Elisha, which of which Elisha had told him. I want to look firstly with you this morning at the Bible and motherhood. The Bible and motherhood because there is many different versions of what we would consider to be motherhood. Different cultures have a different idea of motherhood. Different cultures have a different idea of family. Not only within different cultures, different generations, different ages. Even here in New Zealand in 2021, there would be different houses with mothers, with children, and they would act and work very, very differently. We want to get our reference points from the Bible. Can you say amen? If we are going to be a Christian family, if we are going to be a family that puts Jesus Christ as the Lord of the home, then that means that the family needs to fit in line with the Bible. Mother, father, children, everybody in line with the Bible. Unfortunately, that's not the common view of motherhood today. I look around in our community. And I think, what are some of the ways that people become mothers? Some people view motherhood as something that's accidental. Oops, we had a night one time, we got drunk, and things happened uh, that we didn't want to happen, and now I have a consequence. Now I have a child that I'm going to have to deal with. I guess I'm going to be a mother. I'm going to have to work that out. Some people view motherhood as unimportant. That's the role that the women do. That's the role that, uh, you know, if you have a baby... And now you're going to have to be stuck at home with the kids. It's unimportant. I know when people ask my wife, what do you do for work? Uh, The temptation there is to say, I'm just a mum. I'm just a mum at home. But I want to tell you here today that just a mum... Is the greatest role hallelujah? We want to show that there are people that say we want to show our girls that they don't have to be stuck at home being mothers. Thirdly, it's accidental, it's unimportant. People view it as inconvenient. As inconvenient now that I'm a mom. Just like the video said there, very realistically, they said, you're going to have to give this up and you're going to have to give that up. And many mothers fall into this role. And now there's a time that they're going to have to grapple with the fact that I can't be as selfish as I used to be. And it's difficult because now it's inconvenient. I need to get back to work. I need to quickly get back to work. I need to uh, put them in childcare, do something. Somebody else can raise them. I can't do what I want now. I can't do the holidays just like the video and the different things. I used to have this hobby and that hobby and that hobby. And things are going to change. And let me tell you, all you mothers know, amen, things change. And the longer that you fight that... The longer that you try to make things like the past, it's not going to be like the past. Parenting, we know, is often inconvenient. It's making decisions today that are not fun, that are difficult, and that are even inconvenient. But we're not doing it for today. We make those decisions today so that they can have a lasting impact into the future. Your kids are not always going to respond with joy. They don't always say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for not giving me my way. Right? I'm so excited that you put these boundaries and these rules on me. I'm just so excited because I know as a child that by the time I'm 16, you're building something in me for 10 years down the track. Uh, Said no kid ever. Uh, No kid is ever going to say, I'm so excited about these things because they don't see things the way that we do. And that's our job. Let me tell you that the greatest aspiration in life for anyone should be to be a magnificent mother. Let me say that again. The greatest aspiration should be to be a magnificent mother. Now, as soon as I say that, Straight away, people, it's cross-cultural. Are you telling me that I have to? I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you that as a mother, you should aim to be a magnificent mother. Can every mother say amen? You should aim to be a magnificent mother. And we're going to look today at what that looks like. In our text, we see the scriptural view of motherhood. We see the scriptural view that motherhood is a gift from God. In Psalms chapter 127 verse 3 it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Here Elisha is asking Gehazi, his assistant, what does this woman need in verse 14 of our text? Elisha is asking Gehazi, this woman has blessed us, she's done all of these things. What does she need? Does she need a house? Does she need this? No, no, she doesn't need any of those things. uh, But she's barren. And right there, Elisha says, you know what? A gift from God. By this time next year, you'll bear a son. In God's eyes, this is a gift. This is a gift. Some very uh, biblical elements of motherhood. Number one is that motherhood is all about forming. Now, obviously, that happens as, as parenting together and different things, but today we're focusing on mothers uh, so everybody else can relax for a moment. So, motherhood is about forming, motherhood is about. Forming our children. Proverbs 22, verse 6. We know this verse well. It says, Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. That means, in order to do some training, you're going to have to do some boundaries. Some of us recently, we've um, said that we're going to jump into a weight loss challenge. And then I hear some awkward laughter. Because some of us have not put any boundaries in. We want to lose the weight. There's the strong desire there. But somehow that's just going to happen? No. It doesn't help me that the best cook in the world has come from Sydney to my house. uh, And is cooking me cakes, cookies and midnight sandwiches. Thank you. Thank you. But we're going to have to put some boundaries. Otherwise, we're never going to lose any weight. And in the same way, if we are forming our children, there must be some boundaries that we put. Otherwise, we're never going to get the result that we want. Number two, biblical elements of motherhood is that there is the aiming of the child. In the aiming of the child, we see Jochebed This time last year, I preached about Jochebed and Moses on Mother's Day. And here's Jochebed, Moses' mother. She makes this, what the Bible calls an ark. Uh, It's like a little boat. She puts baby Moses in there. Uh, Herod is killing all of the babies. And uh, she has one chance in this. She makes this little ark that she's going to save Moses. And she puts him down and pushes him along amongst the reeds. Where she knows that Pharaoh's daughter... Goes to bathe. So she's aiming Moses in the direction that's going to give him the best successful life. That is the job of every mother. Again, that is the job of every family. Like I said this morning, we're focusing on mothers. So you take the good with the bad. Hallelujah. That is the job of every mother. That we take our children. And we aim them and propel them for the best place of success. That means, unfortunately, that they have to be the priority before us. That means, unfortunately, that sometimes it's going to be inconvenient. They are going to have to come first before us. The third thing about biblical motherhood is that it has an eternal dimension. An eternal dimension. Everybody say eternal. In our text. I don't know uh, exactly uh, what happened between the verses here. But I can imagine that here is the Shunammite woman with her husband. They have this little house built into the wall, which I don't have time to go into right now. And she's living there. And every time Elisha passes by to do some ministry in the city or wherever else, she has a heart to serve. And she says, you know what? Uh, Would we build a room for him here in our house? Now, I don't know how inconvenient that would have been. But I imagine it would have been a little bit inconvenient to have somebody inside the house have a room that's separated just for them Just for when they decide to pass by. We're going to leave that room clear. Part of my house clear. I'm going to sacrifice that area. Just for when Elisha wants to pass by. I want to tell you it would have been inconvenient. But it had an eternal dimension. It had an eternal dimension. There was the work that Elisha was doing. That was going to last for eternity. There was the hospitality that she showed Elisha that later played out in a miracle in her own life because of the hospitality that she showed. It had an eternal dimension. And let me tell you, mothers, that the best thing that you could do for your children. Yes, hallelujah. I like education. I like university. I like sports. I even like rugby. But you know what? The most important thing that you could do for your children is to train them up in the way of the Lord. The most important thing that you could do for your children is to form them, propel them, and the work that you will do will have an eternal dimension. Let me tell you that you could put hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars into rugby boots, rugby shorts, Registration, years of fuel, driving them back and forth, rugby practice, this and that. And then guess what? When they turn 20, they get fat and they never play rugby again. Wasted. Or you could have something that has an eternal dimension. Something that you could impart into them that's not only going to be for this life. But it's going to last them for eternity. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, I call into remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, young pastor. I'm writing to you and I'm like, man, I remember the faith that's in you, the fire that's in you. I remember that. Read here, it says 2 Timothy 1 5. I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first... In your grandmother Lois. And in your mother Eunice. So I remember the faith that you have Timothy. But I also remember that you caught that fire from your mother Eunice. Who caught it from her grandmother. Because what you do mums, has an eternal dimension. Let's look secondly then at the basis of motherhood. The basis of motherhood. Because here we could do lots of different things. Mothers can influence their kids more than anybody else can. I know mums, not personally, but I know mums that sometimes it feels like that you're losing influence. That you're losing connection. That all of a sudden, they used to do everything you said when they were this big. And now uh, you're losing influence. Let me tell you, moms, uh, that yes, there is a dimension to that. But moms, you will always have an influence that nobody else has in your kids' lives. You will always have an influence that nobody else has in your kids' lives. How are you going to use that? I remember when we first had Connor. We, uh, we had all of these ideas and we bought these baby Einstein books. And maybe they worked, hallelujah. Uh, but we bought these baby Einstein books and these CDs. Remember, remember CDs? Yeah, I don't remember what they are. But it was only seven years ago, right? Uh, we bought these CDs, these baby Einstein CDs. Uh, and as he was a baby, he doesn't even know this. We would play these CDs and they would speak to him. In different languages. And the CDs would count for him. And the CDs would say this is blue. And this is this. And, and he couldn't say a single word. But we thought this is training his brain. And that's an exciting thing. And look if you want to buy the baby Einstein books. Hallelujah I'll sell them back to you. Uh, but again all of that effort. Could be wasted. Uh, if, if we give ourselves to only that into training, into different things, to different opportunities. Uh, Some people think, you know what, the answer for my kids, listen carefully, the answer for my kids is that they just learn the way that I grew up. And then the, the answer for my kids is my culture. If they just go back to the old, then that will just fix everything. And listen, I love training. I love baby Einstein. I love sports. And I love culture. Hallelujah. Uh, but none of those things are going to be the answer. None of those things are going to be. All of those things will benefit them. All of those things will give them an assistance. But let me tell you that your basis of motherhood must be biblical. The Bible says here that there was a notable woman. A great woman. I've called her A magnificent mother because there was two M's. A magnificent mother. In the Bible here, we see that there was character to this mother. Let's look firstly. The first thing was that she loved God. She loved God. And if we are going to build a basis of motherhood that is not built on the world, but built on the Bible... It would do you well to take some notes and follow these steps through. Pray through them. She loved God. She valued the ministry of Elisha. She valued Elisha himself. She fed him as he passed by. Uh, I want to ask you, do you value the ministry? Mum? do your kids see that? Because let me tell you, Mum that if there is ever a sure way for your kids to go off the track, that is that you turn up to church, you smile, you lift your hands, you praise God, you shake the pastor's hand and say, I love you, pastor. And then when you go home, you stab the pastor in the back, you pull your hand back and they see a totally different person. If there's ever a sure way, mum, to send your kids off the track, it's to be inconsistent. She loved God and they could see that. She loved God. If you're one way at church and another way at home, that's not going to help anybody. The second thing was she was liberal. In verse 10, she says, let us make a small upper room on the wall. And she has this idea. She's probably in prayer. And she says, God, how can I bless this guy? He comes by, I feed him and different things. What else can we do? We have some money, we have some room, different things. You know what? She speaks to her husband. Let's make an upper room on the wall. And she makes this place. She was liberal, she gave out of her own resources. Listen, mums, there is so much for you to give. There is so much for you to give. Be a blessing. You have so many skills that we could never have. Be a blessing. Her default was, let's bless someone. Thirdly, she had a relationship with God. Later on, she winds up in trouble in her life. She does get this son. It's a miracle of God. Exactly a year after, just like Elisha said, she has a son. But then sadly, the son is working in the field many years later with his father. Something happens. He has a head injury and he dies. They bring him home to her mum, to his mom. She sits with him on her knees, the Bible says, until he took his last breath. And he dies. And before she freaks out, before she does, I mean, I'm sure there was a tear, I'm sure there was everything else there. She prays. She prays and she gets to work. Pastor Greg Mitchell said, you know what? One of the greatest blessings that I ever saw. We talk about Pastor Wayman Mitchell and uh, what a legend he is. But you know what? Next to Pastor Wayman Mitchell was Nelda. Nelda was his wife. She died four years uh, before him. So that was five years ago now. And Nelda right there, Pastor Greg Mitchell now says, One of the greatest blessings was that I saw my mom reading her Bible. Every morning I'd see her there. She had this big Bible and, she, and I'd see her there reading her Bible at the table. And it was just one of those things that, you know what? I wake up, it doesn't matter if it's a bad day or good day. Or whatever. I saw my mom reading her Bible and it was clear she had a relationship with God. She had faith in And trust in God. Here in our text in verse 23. They bring in the son. He's on her knees. He takes his last breath. She puts the son in Elisha's room. That they made for him. And then she says to the father. And she says listen husband. I need you to get me one of the servants. And a donkey. I am going to get on the donkey. Go to Mount Carmel. And chase down Elisha. She does that. Here's the mum. Which takes me to point number four. Her love was tenacious. We know that, mums. Because uh, there is nothing that you wouldn't do. Her love is tenacious. There's a problem here. She doesn't give up. She gets on the donkey. She goes to Mount Carmel. She says, uh, on the way, Gehazi comes running out. And he says, uh, is it well with you? Is it all good? Or in in Kiwi, it might be all goods, bro. Is it well? And you know what she says? It is well. Her son's died. Her son's just died. And she says, you know what? It is well. It is well. God is in control. Because she had a relationship with God. She gets eventually to the mountain. She gets to Gehazi. She gets to Elisha. Now... The man of God, and she throws himself, the Bible says in verse 27, she grabs him by the feet and she demands a miracle. And, Mums, I know you've been there, some of us are there now. Where there is something that's wrong and for the love of our kids, uh, they might be in pain, they might be off, they might be off the track, uh, different things. And you're in prayer just tenaciously. God changed them. God cut through all of the mess and all of the head knowledge and everything else and God pierced their heart right now. I know some of you moms have prayed like that. This is the mark of the heart of a mother. I read a story about 24-year-old Amy Lee Hill. She's there in England. She's got her three-year-old son. She puts him in the back seat, closes the door, and as she's going to the front seat, three carjackers come out, young guys, hoods on the whole thing. One was holding a crowbar, and they come out to come and take the car. And the whole thing is captured on CCTV camera footage on her home. And uh, as she's there, she realizes the carjackers are there. And uh, the first thing she tries to do is get to the door. They shut the door. And then they, they try to rip the keys out of her hand. One little girl against three men. And she fights them like you've never seen anything before. They hurt her. They push her up against the car. There's some ugly things going on there. Uh, but she will not let go of the keys. Because she's screaming about her son. My son, my son, my son's in the car. My son's in the car. One of her friends afterwards said, why didn't you just give them the keys? And she said these words. She said, there is no way that they were going to get to my son. They had a crowbar, but they weren't hitting me with it. So I thought, well, if they were going to hit me, they would have done it by now. So I carried on fighting back. Eventually, she scared off the three carjackers she got her son. A little bit bruised, a little bit beaten. But her son was saved. I want to tell you, mums, there is a tenacious love that you have. A connection that you have that goes beyond how much people can hurt us. Some of you mums, spiritually, emotionally, bruised. Even beaten. But I want to tell you. God sees. There is a love that you have. That you can't even express into words. Let me finish finally at then the blessings of motherhood. The story of this woman in the Bible is a story of miracle power. We've seen the story already. And in this story now in verse 20. We see that the son Dies, he's hit in the head, and sometimes we understand, mums, uh, that our kids they can lose their heads, that they can make a wrong choices here. But here, God does a miracle for her and a miracle for mothers. This is a hope to every mother that is here, because God, in the Old Testament and all throughout the Bible, God has built into the Bible care for mothers. Care for widows, care for single mums. the final chapter in her life, we see this mum here, not in second Kings four, but if you flip over to second Kings chapter eight, the Bible says that now her husband has passed away, her son, who was resurrected, is now there with her she 's received a miracle, but then. Tragedy strikes again. Second Kings 8, there is a famine in the land. And for seven years, she has to move away from her home. With her and her son, she has to move away. She comes back after seven years only to find that there's people living in her house. And that they've taken all of the profits of her land. She's desperate. She doesn't have a home. She doesn't have anywhere to live, anywhere to make money. It's just her and her son now. What are they going to do? And she decides, you know what? I'm going to go to the king. I have no other answer. I'm going to go to the king and he's going to give me a miracle. She has no other option. As she's walking to the king, something else is happening. Gehazi. Remember Elisha's assistant? Gehazi just happens to be sitting in the king's court talking with the king the king says tell me about some of the things that Elisha did tell me some of the miracles that you heard of in the past and right there in 2nd Kings 8 Gehazi saying to the king you know what there was a woman her son died came back to life The whole thing. Man, what an incredible miracle. And as he's saying that, the Bible says she walks into the king's court. She's thinking, you know what? I'm at the end of myself. I've given everything. I've prayed. I've fasted. My husband's died. My son died. He came back to life. Hallelujah. Now we have no house. I am desperate There is nothing that I could do. I'm just going to go to the king. That's what she's thinking. She doesn't know that God has already orchestrated the pieces, and Gehazi is sitting there with the king, telling him about her and a story that she, when her son came back to life, would have been many years earlier. And just at the right time, he's telling the king the story. The woman walks in. That's the woman. That's the woman. The king says, that's the woman. That's the woman in the story. That's the woman. The woman has no idea. That's the woman. Ah, The woman. And right there, the king says, you know what? You'll get your land back. And as a matter of fact, let me. I'm going to give you your land back and all the profits that those guys made from your land for the last seven years. They're going to repay that back to you. A miracle of God happened. And you know what this tells me, mums? This tells me that nothing is wasted with God. Listen to me, mums. I understand. There are difficulties and situations. But nothing is wasted with God. Our God is a rewarder. Let me finish with this. The greatest gift that my mum, you guys know my mum well. One day she'll make it back here. Hallelujah. The greatest gift that my mom ever gave me was that she believed in me. We had our ups and our downs. We have a very different relationship now. We're both saved. uh, Living for God. We have a great relationship now where we can be on the same page and talk about different things. But that wasn't always the case. There was a time where she wasn't saved and I was. There was a time that she was trying to live for God and I was trying to run. But every time I failed, every time the police turned up on the doorstep, every time the principals called with bad news, every time that she got phone calls, come pick up your son, every single time, my mum was there. There's nobody else. Every single time that she opened the door, she was there. Things that I said to her in hatred, in anger, yet she was there. I remember one time before she was even saved, she was going to this little church somewhere just desperate because her psychotic son had just been expelled from however many schools. And I remember one time I came home. We used to live in an apartment at this point. We came home and I found people in my room praying over my bed. And this little psycho at about nine years old. I kicked these adults out of my house. Physically. Kicked them out of my house. Swearing, punching, breaking, whatever else it was. But my mum was there. And she still believed in me. She still prayed. And I want to tell you that today, just like this woman. God is a rewarder. Today the miracle happened. Not only was she being rewarded. We're both saved. My brother and I. My mom's saved. We're living for God. We have a destiny, a purpose, a future. But not only has she been rewarded, but repaid. This year I've been saved for 19 years. I got saved at 16 years old. Means I've been saved longer now than I ever lived in sin. I've been married for 11 kids, 5 kids, the will of God. I want to tell you, mothers, hold on. Hold on. Because God has a special reward for faithful mothers. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads here this morning, we'll pray.